Good day, Church. Thank you so much for inviting me to be your guest speaker today. I am very delighted to be able to share God's Word with you. I consider preaching a privilege, and I want to thank you for giving me the privilege. This morning, I want to preach about making kindness our business. And our text is taken from 2 Samuel and chapter 9. I will read it for you. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him up to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness to? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lo-Debar. So King David had him brought from Lo-Lebar and from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him and to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my stable. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should take notice, a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring the crop so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of David's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and was crippled in both feet. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. This is a passage that we are all, I suppose, quite familiar. Uh, it is at the very beginning of the reign of King David. After having assumed the throne as God's anointed, uh, David did many good things. And one of the first things he did was to think about Saul's household. Jonathan's household. In other words, David wasn't thinking of himself, how to enjoy his power, how to enjoy his wealth. He was thinking about what was his responsibilities. And when he thought about that, he thought about the household of Saul. You see, for many kings and despots, when they have uh, succeeded 
the throne, they would have conquered many, many, many pieces of land. They would have acquired much wealth and they would have kept them for themselves, but not King David. He wanted to give some of this back to the people he felt who were deserving. And he remembered Jonathan, who was his friend and was very kind to him. And so he told uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, that all that I have taken from your grandfather, from your family, I'm going to give it back to you. This is the amazing character of David. That's why the Bible says that David is truly a man after God's heart. So we see here in verse 1, David asking the question, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? What a question. What a question. A question of compassion, a question of generosity, a question of kindness. Now, I call this the context of kindness, the king and the outcast. You see, the uh, servant came and told him, Ziba that is, that there is still a son of Jonathan somewhere out there. He lived in a place called Lodebar, verse 4. What is the meaning of Lodebar? Lodebar, we may not know where it is, but the meaning is very simple. Lodebar means the land of the forsaken. The land where you will be left there and you'll be forgotten. In some ways, it will be the God-forsaken place. That's what Lodebar means. And uh, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, was living there in Lodebar. And then in verse 8, when uh, the king reached out to him, uh, Mephibosheth's response was, you know, why are you doing this to me? I, I'm just a dog. I'm just nothing. Now you will understand that in Jewish understanding, to be reckoned as a dog or to be treated as a dog is to be despised. A dog was nothing. A dog was dirty. You don't want to get close to the dog. You don't want to keep a dog for a pet. And he considered himself no more than a dog. And then we discover why. For in verse 3, Ziba said he was crippled in his feet. And at the end of the chapter, it is repeated. He was crippled in both his feet. And there is a story behind that. Actually, he was uh, trying to escape. And as a result of trying to escape, he did escape successfully during the war. And uh, But he actually uh, crippled his feet as a result. So here was a man, a son of a prince, no less. But by the time King David found him, he was in a very sorry state. He was literally an outcast. Why would anybody want to even remember him? But David did. This, by the way, is the nature of kindness. You know, kindness is something that we know it when we feel it, when we receive it. We know it also when we don't receive it. 
We know kindness when cruelty is inflicted upon us or when we see cruelty inflicted on other people or even other animals. We can recognize that immediately and we say how unkind that is. And when somebody is kind, you will also know straight away that that particular action, that particular look, that particular uh, voice of tone, even the voice of tone can be kind. Even the, the sparkle in the eyes can be, can be kind. Even the expression of the face, the body language can be kind. And we know that when we see it, when we feel it, when we experience it. We don't need to define kindness. However, in my little booklet, The Five Amazing Benefits of Kindness, I define kindness simply as other-centeredness. You see, the king could have just been, just decided to think only of himself. You know, I'm now the king, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to rule this place, I'm going to conquer more, I'm going to be the most famous king. But he wasn't thinking like that. He was thinking of Jonathan and Saul. And he was wondering how he can bring blessing to them. So David was other-centered. If you think about it, when you say thank you, you're being kind. You're saying, I appreciate you, you're being kind. When you say something to somebody or you do something to somebody out of compassion, out of generosity, you're being kind. But when you do, when you do all this, remember you are doing it to somebody else. You're not doing it to yourself. When you're smiling, you're smiling at somebody. When you are saying something nice, you're saying something nice to somebody. When you're doing something kind, you're doing something kind to somebody. So kindness is other-centeredness. The more selfless we are, the more kind we are likely to be. And that's why we need to make kindness our business. Because that is what the Lord Jesus has taught us. To be selfless, to be sacrificial, you know, to, to love others as we would love ourselves. To love others. To think of others. It is about benefiting another person who cannot ever pay back. Here is a very good example of somebody, Matthew Boshet, who will never be able to pay back because his father lost the kingdom, his grandfather lost the kingdom. He is now an outcast in a place called Lodebar, a forsaken place. Matthew Boshet. There's no way in a hundred years Matthew Boshet could return the kindness of the king. When we benefit somebody else, whether it's a foreign worker who cannot pay us back, a cleaner, somebody who is serving, uh, waiting on us at the restaurant, when we show some kindness to them, anybody at all who cannot pay us back, we are truly showing true kindness. It's not calculating, it is completely self-giving. That's why Mark Twain said, kindness is a language the deaf can hear and the blind can see. How wonderful is that? It's a language that even the deaf can hear and the blind can see. So there are three things I want to share with you from this passage. First, kindness is a reflection of God. Verse 3. In verse 3, the king asked the question the second time. But notice there is a little twist here, a little tweaking of the words. Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom 
I can show God's kindness. Verse 1 says, To whom I can show kindness. That means His kindness. But now, it is specifically God's kindness. And that is why I say kindness is a reflection of God. Our God is a kind God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, we read, The Lord was with him and he showed him kindness. It is very natural for God to show kindness. In fact, if God were not kind to us, this world would have been destroyed long time ago because we keep sinning, we keep rebelling, we keep going against God's laws. In fact, in the early church, the Christians were waiting for the coming of the Lord. And Peter told them to be patient. You know, the Lord will come, you know, and he will come like a thief in the night. And you wouldn't know when. But the fact that he is patient and waiting and uh, and uh, long-suffering and not coming yet is because of his kindness. He is waiting patiently for the world to turn back to him before he returns. According to Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 5, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, what is that kindness and love of God? That is the gospel that came through Jesus Christ. In fact, when we think of the gospel, it is the gospel of God's kindness. It is a reflection of God's kindness. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. But God so loved the world, we know that verse from John 3:16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Every time you think of the fact that Jesus Christ is your Savior, my brothers and sisters, please thank Him for His kindness. Because the fact that He came to save us is an indication of His kindness and His love. He didn't leave us to continue in our sin. He came and reached out to us and transformed us. I'm chairman of the Prison Fellowship Singapore. And we do a lot of work among the prisoners. And I'm sure many of you support the ministry as well. And I hope the church does. And you know, there are fantastic, wonderful testimonies of how ex-offenders who for years couldn't get out of drug addiction, who couldn't get out of criminality, who couldn't uh, disassociate themselves from their criminal friends. And yet, after having been in the prison and out of prison for many, many years, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is ministered in the prison through the chapel, through the Bible study, through Christian counseling, somehow just capture them and somehow transform them. And today we have many trophies of grace. Many of them are founders of halfway houses. People like Simon Neal, Don Wong. These are all former offenders who have been transformed by the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ through Prison Fellowship Singapore. You've heard of a big chain of uh, uh, restaurants that the young people like to go to. It's called 18 Chef. That's founded 
by Benny Sitio together with some investors. And Benny has been a drug addict for almost 20 years. And yet the Lord transformed him. And today uh, he's using his business to, uh, to uh, support many uh, drug offenders, uh, ex-offenders uh, who are now out there and has employed them and mentor them and train them and teach them. This is what happened when the kindness of God touches us. And that's why Ephesians 2 verse 7 says, it's the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Jesus Christ, referring to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Incomparable riches. You can't even count the riches when we receive the salvation of Jesus Christ and experience a transformation of our life. And Galatians 5.22, we all know that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance. And then you come to number five, kindness. There are nine fruits of the Spirit right there. And kindness is right in the middle. And I want you to imagine that it's in the middle for a reason. You know, when you think of a of an arch bridge made of stones, nine stones, and the one in the center, number five, is the kindness stone. And the kindness stone is shaped like a wedge because the kindness stone holds the other eight stones together. If you take out the head stone, the wedge stone, the whole structure would collapse. I like to see it that way. The kindness is so important that it is put right there as number five in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, when you go about your business, when you go about your work, when you go about your life, do you reflect the kindness of God in your life? We should, because we are all children of God. You know, as children of God, we must reflect a characteristic of God. You know, in the human uh, relationship, we talk about genes, right? How we say, oh, you know, he's like so much like his father. Uh, I have noticed one particular son of a friend who walked exactly like him. The way he put his hand, the way he walks, the way he swayed, it's exactly like him. We must be exactly like our father, especially in the characteristic of kindness. Let us be kind to all, especially those who cannot repay us. Now we come to number two. It's about the reflex of godliness. You know, I have this reflex uh, hammer. Recently, I went to see my doctor and he used the same old reflex hammer that I remember my doctor used um, when I was a little boy so many years ago. And I said to the doctor, this particular tool has never changed. Nobody has come up with a better tool than this reflex hammer. It's the same old reflex hammer, but it works. What is the definition of reflex? An action that is performed without conscious thought as a response to a stimulus. That means we will automatically respond. We don't have to think about it. When you see something that needed to be done, you know, somebody just slipped and fell right in front of you. You don't have to say, oh, let me think about it. Should I go and help him or her? No. Kindness is so reflexive, 
You just go and do it. You just go and do it. And that's what kindness does. A thing which is determined and reproduces, determined by and reproduces the essential features or qualities or something else. That is a reflex. We reflect the essential feature and quality of God who is kind. My brothers and sisters, one of the worst things that's happening in Singapore today is that when something happened on the MRT or on a bus or in a public uh, space, most people tend to stand and watch. Sometimes they would take out their phone and do a video. We call this the... Uh, we call it the bystander syndrome. That's what it is, the bystander syndrome. In other words, we are very slow to do something about something that needs to be done. I'd like to suggest to you that when you're up on the bus and, and you see an older person needing a seat, you don't just watch that guy struggling to stand. If you are seated, it doesn't have to be at the priority seat. It doesn't have to be at the reserve seat. Anywhere at all, you should actually get up and ask this gentleman to sit down. It may be away from you, a few seats away. It doesn't matter. You go and tell your guy sitting next to you, please keep this seat. I'm going to ask that old gentleman to sit. Do something. Don't be a bystander. I know, I know it takes courage to do that, but God has given us the spirit not of timidity, but of courage. When we are doing the right thing, especially young people, why should we be embarrassed doing the right thing? Even if you are not seated and you are standing, can you at least go to somebody in front of you and say, excuse me, you see that gentleman over there? I think he needs a seat. You see he's struggling to stand. Would you offer the seat to him? If you ask them nicely, and I have done that, most people, in fact, I haven't come across anybody who refused when you ask nicely. You don't uh, make it like, uh, you know, it is uh, an entitlement. No, you ask, you request. People will give up the seat. So please, if you are going to do a reflex of godliness and make kindness a reflex, many of these things, we do not have to think about it. It should come as natural and as spontaneous, if I might say so, because that's the way we should be. We should have the reflex of godliness. Finally, uh, number three, it's also a reflex of, uh, well, sorry, I, I must, uh, uh, I, I'll continue on number two. Uh, godliness as a reflex is also, in a sense, a devotion to God. When we are truly devoted to God, when we are filled with God, then we should very easily, when, 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 when something happens, we are being squeezed, we are being, you know, something that is happening around us, godliness should simply come out of us. That's what I'm trying to say. So fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what the Proverbs say. So if we fear God, then we think about what God would do and we would do what God would do, what Jesus would do. We love God. We love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. 
And here people are waiting to see the love of God and we can show it just by a simple act of kindness. Why not show it? And we desire God. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Psalms 42 verse 1. Now, in terms of uh, reflex, uh, we notice that it is also for uh, David, it was a priority. A priority. Verse 1 and verse 3. That was the first thing he asked upon becoming king. To whom can I show kindness? Every morning, I make it a priority. I get up in the morning, I do my devotion, I do my prayer. And one of the things I always pray for because I have a full program ahead of me, I meet people, I run program, and I ask the Lord, Lord, make me a blessing to someone today. That's all. Be a blessing to someone. Make someone's day. Bring some joy to somebody. Bring some encouragement. And that is also a reflex of godliness. Make that a priority. Secondly, as uh, in fact, in uh, in the first Samuel chapter twenty, verse sixteen to twenty, uh, Jonathan had David reaffirm his word oath out of love for him because they were the best of friends, because he loved him as he loved himself. They were really bonded as brothers. Uh, in fact, uh, Jonathan saved David's life more than once because King Saul was very jealous, and King Saul, of course, was the father of Jonathan. So beside making it a priority, David make it a promise kept. David made a promise and reaffirmed his oath of friendship. And therefore, he kept his promise. You know, brothers and sisters, we must be the one who is known to keep our word, is known to, to keep our promise. And when we do that, we are a people of honor. We know how to keep our word, keep our honor, honor our word. Whatever we promise, we keep. That's part of kindness too. You know, kindness is to be grateful, is to remember what others have done for us and to remember how to return our gratitude. Third, there is also in the reflex of godliness, a pronouncement of kindness. I will surely, verse 7, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will surely, that means certainly, it is my determination. It is what I have decided and I want to do it. Why don't we do that? Why don't we determine something that is positive and I will determine to find somebody today to show kindness to? That today in whatever I do, I'm determined to trust God to bring somebody to me where I can show kindness to. That would be a good practice. If every day we show kindness, little kindness to somebody, every day, you imagine 365 days a year, we would have blessed 365 people. And it can be very small things, a smile, a handshake, a how do you do, a word of encouragement, anything. And then lastly, there is a practice of kindness. Verse 9. You know, words are cheap. We can always talk about love. We can talk about everything. You know, God so love the world, love your neighbor. We talk about it until the cows come home. But we must translate love into action. And the best way to translate love into action is to practice kindness. 
And so King David said, Mephibosheth will always eat at my table. A very practical action. He did more than that. He, of course, he got Ziba, the servant and household to serve uh, Mephibosheth's household and to farm for them because the man couldn't farm. He's crippled in the feet. But not only that, he paid special attention to Mephibosheth himself and said, you know, you come and sit with me every day and eat at my table. Very practical. But you know, my brothers and sisters today, people know about Christianity. A lot of people hear about Christianity. It's in the papers and sometimes in the papers for the wrong reason. You know, not so glorifying to God. And people are, uh, are aware of the gospel. People can go to YouTube and listen to all kinds of sermons and all kinds of worship. People are aware. But you know what they are most impressed by? Not always by great singing, great worship, great sermons, great teaching. Many non-Christians are impressed by the action and work of the Christian, showing kindness, practicing kindness. I want to read uh, a line from Robert Burns' A Winter Night in 1786. But deep this truth impressed my mind through all his works abroad, the heart benevolent and kind, the most resembles God. The truth that he wants to impress on us in everything that we can see is the heart that is benevolent, the heart that is kind, that heart most resembles God. And I want to read from Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We are all people who have been hurt one time or another by different people. We must learn to forgive because forgiveness is to show kindness to those who have wronged us. And we need to do that. If we don't show forgiveness, it is like eating poison every day and wishing that the other person would die. But the truth is that the other person could have forgotten what he's done to you, moved on, and you are the one dying because you are eating the poison. Why do that? Why not just get rid of the poison? And the antidote to that is to go out there and be kind to this person and forgive them. I have a four Chinese character in my slide. Yu Xing Xing Tong. This is actually the slogan of the Shanghai Kindness Movement. Uh, they uh, launched that last year and I was their guest of honor. And it's very, very interesting. They use the idea of the heart. You have to do action with your heart, assuming that you have a kind heart. So uh, last year, I, I wrote a book called Through the Valley, The Art of Living and Living Well. I wrote this book basically uh, for everyone, not just for Christian. It's not published as a Christian book. It's published by the Straits Times. Uh, the first year, last year, it went to three printing. Um, minister, then uh, Deputy Prime Minister Taman launched it for me. I wrote this to encourage people to be kind to themselves, to be kind to others, and to live a life that is positive and purposeful and meaningful because we are driven by the love of God, driven by kindness. 
I hope you support this book. I am a, a great uh, reader. I like to read books. And I remember George Verver when he came uh, to promote OM. Uh, he would always recommend a book or two books or three books. And I told myself that someday I would like to do that and like to write my own book. So this is my 10th book. If you would like a copy, uh, you can order it through the church office. Uh, you can order it through the church office and I'll be able to mail it to you. So uh, please uh, consider that. And uh, I want to thank you for the privilege of preaching the Word of God. Let me close in prayer. God, our loving Father, I want to thank you again for your kindness to all of us. Help us to be grateful for your kindness and as a result, to share your kindness with others out of gratitude. And if there's someone that we cannot forgive, Lord, help us to make a determination today to be kind to that person who have done us wrong and to forgive and to trust that you will work in and through his life so that things will get better for us. And I pray, Lord, that uh, in our everyday life, we will have the opportunity to reflect the kindness of God and show the reflexes of God's goodness in us, in the way we live. In Jesus' name, amen.